Welcome to Film Yak. I'm Jordan. I'm John. And I'm Kevin. And this is a weekly podcast for movie discussions. Each week we challenge each other with a film that the others haven't seen that we've got to watch and report back. So you'll get a new episode every Monday. And we'll be reviewing uh, lots of different kind of stuff, mainly foreign, indie, uh, classic, kind of all over the gambit. So, guys, welcome for episode three. Today we'll be talking about Giuseppe Torna... Giuseppe Torna... Giuseppe Torna Torre. <laughs> Italian guy, uh, Cinema Paradiso. We'll be talking about this classic film. Oscar winner from uh, 1988, uh, won the Oscar for Best Foreign Film, and it's uh, one of the top-rated movies on IMDb, uh, whatever you know, whatever credit you give that. So uh, before we get into our deep dive, we'll kind of just get into our segment about what we watched recently, some different stuff that we've seen in the last week. So John, you want to tell us about what you've been watching, my friend? All right. I uh, I wa- I've been watching some uh, movies. Some movies. <laughs> movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're watching the wall. <laughs> the wall. I didn't watch the well, there, wall. Oh, well, there, there is, is a movie. Uh, the I do wall. like that movie. I haven't yeah. watched it in a while, though. Uh, Alan Parker. Yeah. I watched uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Fire Walk with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched it. Uh, it's from 1991 or something. I think it's a little um, later than that, isn't it? Like, I don't think so. I think it? it's from 1991 there, Kev. Uh, we can it, look it up, though. Okay. Um, Good old internets. That's 90, right. No, you're right. 92. Sorry. 92. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> a little later well, than 91. I was trying to remember in my mind you know, the time frame that the actual show was airing. So Yeah, I think like 90, 91. Okay. It was only on for two seasons. Yeah, so. no, but I thought it was like eight. I thought it was a little later in the 90s, like 92 or something. Uh, movies ninety two. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I uh, I watched Twin Peaks Firewalk with me uh, because uh, literally only because I haven't seen it and I wanted to uh, start watching the uh, the third season, which is airing or was airing currently at the time. Now it's over mm. uh, of Twin Peaks and uh, Firewalk with me was really good. And I don't like Twin Peaks at all. I I actually really. Really dislike kind of the first uh, the first season. What I've seen of it, I've only seen like six episodes, but I really don't like it very much. Um, I find it to be really silly and campy, and the music's terrible. And uh, but and the on the uh, in the film, the film is much different. The film doesn't carry any of that over, and the music's fantastic. I don't know what they did, but uh, and the story is very very bleak and extremely dark. Right off your alley. Yeah, it's just yeah, right. Yeah. Just really. Uh, really hitting all my sweet spots there and uh just very very terrifying also just uh there there are moments you remember the moment in Mulholland Drive of course the uh yeah. the man behind the, the hobo man in the yeah. dumpster like the scariest this moment is, in cinema this has a moment that rivals that it's oh, wow. just as scary if not more scary it gave me chills when I saw it I was like I, I it was very intense which uh which scene was that in the movie, I don't want to say because yeah. okay, you can. Have you seen the film? Yes, the scene when Bob is going is in her bedroom going for uh, the diary, right? And she discovers him, right? Is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and and set this up for me because like I've never watched the show. I've never okay, seen the this show. Movie. Is about uh, a detect uh, a, a, a FBI agent who named Cooper who goes to uh, 
Twin Peaks, which is a fictional uh, town in Oregon, right? Oregon or Washington? Or, I think it's in Washington. Anyway, somewhere in the northwest. <clears throat> yeah, the Pacific and, Northwest. Yeah, and uh, he goes to investigate the murder of a girl named Laura Palmer, who was a high school student. And in the show, Laura Palmer is dead on the first episode, so you never get to really know her very much. As far as I know, in the first six episodes that I watched, but in the film, the film is like a prequel, and it's about the last week of her life, okay, and uh, mm. what happened to her, and it's very chilling, extremely chilling, and uh, very strange. And there's a lot of like bizarre things that happen that aren't really fully explained, yeah. Um, but that's you know I don't have a problem. That's with kinda that kind of like stuff. the appeal of Lynch and yeah. I mean, there's a lot. Everything yeah, I mean, everything makes sense on a very basic level. It's just that some stuff you're like, well, like if you like nitpick it, it doesn't quite you know you'd have to know more about it for it to make any sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But then, uh, so I, I really I don't know I really liked it. I and this is something that you don't really need the TV series to just jump right into it. Well, I uh, I would I don't say know that about that. I don't have any idea, but. Lynch. I read that Lynch said you only need to see the movie in order to watch the new episodes. Oh, okay. so that's where I was coming from because he didn't actually. He wasn't even involved with part of season two, as far as I know. Didn't direct most of the episodes. So, you know, that's that's another thing that hinders me from like watching all. It's like I'm not going to commit to season two, which is 22 episodes long. <laughs> you know, of stuff that Lynch is not even involved with. Who cares? Like, I don't even... I can't even... And it's on ABC. Like, it's all, like, tame and lame. Tame and lame. The new stuff now. I watched the first episode of the new season. It's on Showtime. So, obviously, they can do anything they want on Showtime. And it is great. And it is uh, very disturbing and strange and hard to follow. And I'm just loving it. All right. And, um... I think yeah. the one thing I've really seen about it was Michael Sarah was in a scene. He's yeah, I guess I haven't. He's not in the first episode. Yeah, he's like later on, I guess. But uh, I was kind of surprised for his you know acting career. I was really impressed with him, uh, like a adventures in movie going on film truck that I watched where he was talking about like you know how he you know all these you know very obscure and you know kind of hard to follow films that he's into, and you, you wouldn't really get that from like super bad or other yeah, but it's stuff like that he's everybody's in. like a, everybody's like a secret secret cinephile, cinephile yeah, yeah. like uh like i don't know Frank but he had a Ocean lot of released his like top hundred album i mean top hundred films <laughs> and it was like all like tarkovsky and like kubrick <laughs> stuff and yeah, you're like, like really? whatever you know like I, yeah. okay you watch movies like big deal i don't yeah, care yeah. i don't know well like i understand I, what you're saying i see like, what you're saying too like yeah everybody's a secret cinephile but just oh, like if you haven't checked it out before he he does have like a lot of interesting stuff to say. Like he seems not just like oh I like movies a lot, but he has like he has you know he's pretty articulate with how he talks about movies, and that's kind of where I first saw uh, something about Lynch's Eye of the Duck that we've kind of discussed before the the jewel of the scene, and um, yeah, he, I mean, he I, seemed to like articulate it even better than like I've I've read from David Lynch. So I, don't know. I agree, Michael Sarah is a genius, right? So let's just like. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I have to say I was surprised by it because I, I didn't really ever care for his acting, but now I'm kind of more interested. In, so, well, you know, just because he's a, a film academic and loves film doesn't make him a good actor. This right? is true. Okay, yeah, good point. <laughs> so. Um, I uh, after oh well, so yeah, I, I started watching Twin Peaks and it's good, but I haven't um, watched any more after that. Uh, I gave Firewalk with me four and a half stars. Love it. Four Love and a half. It. Love uh, it. Re rewa. I'm sorry. 
As far as the show goes, if anyone is thinking about watching, like, I watched the, you know, first two seasons of Twin Peaks, and then I watched Firewalk with me, and I was like, why? So I think, um, I think anyone who's, like, maybe a fan of Twin Peaks, and they haven't seen Firewalk with me, like, don't go into it expecting answers. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people hate Firewalk with me, too. It's, it got booed at Cannes, I think. So, like, uh, a lot of people are very uh, opposed to it. They well, find think, it like, too bleak. I think it's a good... I think it's good. Um, but I was... I was for The fact that they made the movie after the show was canceled and the show, like, ends on, like, a real hard cliffhanger, it's like... Okay, like, it's David Lynch, so I don't expect everything to be wrapped up with a nice little pretty bow. But I would like at least, you know, a continuation. And that's not what you get. Like, the show Twin Peaks, like, Laura Palmer dies and, like, she's been, you know, like, she's talked about in the beginning of the show as being the golden girl that everybody loved and, you know, had no no faults, etc., etc., but then as the show goes on, you learn more and more about her from like flashbacks and from characters, and you realize, no, she wasn't the golden girl. She's a cokehead. Yeah. So then, so you know all this, and then Firewalk With Me comes out, and it just shows you what you already know. So that's, that was what I was really disappointed with, and I think that's probably what a lot of people were disappointed with, too. I mean, I really loved, like, the first half hour with uh, Chris Isaac and Kiefer Sutherland. I thought that was really great. Like, you know, if you're going to do a prequel, you know, stay with those characters, because I thought those were the much more interesting things going on in the movie. Are they in the but, series, uh, Keith or Sullivan? They are not in the I, series. I okay. just, I, I, well, I mean, I just, you know, obviously it's all a matter of opinion. I yeah, just, yeah. I disagree. I, I, I find that, uh, I mean, the Chris Isaac, I like Chris Isaac in the in the film. I think he was good in it. And I don't mm. know that I've seen him act very much, but I mean, he's good in it. And uh, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland's a little, you know, he plays, plays uh, back in the 90s when he was doing a lot of these, like, quirky characters like that. Yeah, for sure. Like, like that kind, and, like, like, Dark, like Dark City, City kind of exactly. Kind of very same. similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... And I mean, I don't mind those scenes with them at the beginning, and like Harry Dean Stanton's good. Yeah, man. yeah. But like uh, after he vanishes, I mean, when it starts to focus on Laura Palmer's, when I really got into it, like I really enjoyed her, mm. like her kind of just like breaking down over the course of the week before she dies is right. Really good for me. I I like I like uh, Cheryl Cheryl or Sherry Lynn Cheryl Lynn. What's her name? Sherry Lee Lee Cheryl Lee right Cheryl Lee. Uh, Something like that. Anyway, I liked her performance. Yeah. Laura Palmer's performance uh, <laughs> in the film was, Laura Palmer. was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's 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 that. Yeah, I'll be yeah. watching more uh, Twin Peaks for sure. Cool. Um, I rewatched uh, D two, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I had watched uh, the original, rewatched the original Mighty Ducks a few months ago over the summer when I was in uh, staying with my uh, grandparents in law. At, uh, in Tylertown, Mississippi, where there is literally uh, nothing to do, there's uh, not they don't have a Walmart there. Wow. So I was literally uh, like housebound, and we watched uh, the Mighty Ducks was on Netflix, so we watched it, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's a nostalgia fest. It's all right. So I was like, why not watch D two? You know, something fluffy. You're not in the mood for anything heavy. You got to watch D two, and. Uh, it's not good at all. It's like really terrible. Uh, <laughs> Wait, before you say that, what did you give the first one, The Mighty Ducks? Oh, like a two and a half or a three. All right. But I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, it's it not is really, what it it's is. It's not for yeah. me. It's a kid's film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D2 is just, uh, 
it's like trying really hard to be funny and like it's not funny ever and it's like trying really hard also to be heartfelt and it's not really that doesn't get that doesn't work out either and Emilio Estevez is terrible in this movie. <laughs> he's actually he's all right in the first one mm. but like he's really bad in this one like he's just like such a goofball and and the the uh like he's trying to be so so overly serious all the time and uh and then there's like the vi- like the like they're they have to play on the US team like the US it's not Olympics. It's like some kind of like U.S. Like Pee Wee, yeah, like something, something like that. Yeah. But anyways, they have to play their villain team. This time is Iceland, the team from Iceland, oh, yeah. and their their coach is some guy who was in the majors, who was like NHL, but he was only there for like a year, and then he like had to get he got kicked out because he was hurting too many people. So he's like the villain, and he's like the coach of the other team, and he, it's just like so ridiculous. When you look at like how like he dresses in like this black suit and he looks very ominous. He's like yeah, and his back hair, hair slicked back, and, and he's like talking like, to Gordon uh, to Emilio Estevez's character, Gordon Pompey, and he's just so like threatening, you know. And it's just like it's Pee Wee hockey, guys. Like you're just coaches of kids hockey teams. Like there's no reason to be this like evil. And then like he challenges Gordon at one point. He's like. I hear you are a good hockey player. Let's play on the ice. And then so they play one on one, and Gordon has to like think about it. You know, he's like, oh, "Fine, I'll do it." And they play, and as they're playing, like uh, Gordon like scores a goal on him. So of course that like pisses off the Iceland guy. So the yeah. Iceland guy clocks him in the knee with his his, uh, uh, his yeah. hockey stick and like injures him. Oh yeah, and then he's like, "Get your coach off the ice." <laughs> And it's like, you're going to physically assault this person because he's the coach of the other team? It's just, like, bizarre. And it makes no sense outside of the fact that it's, you know, they're they're essentially Disney cartoon characters uh, in real life, you know? So it's like, mm. you know, you same thing if you watch, like, a Disney cartoon and they're, they're just, like, overly aggressive. You know, they have to be because they're the villain. He's, like, yeah. the stereotypical... Yeah. Uh, Icelandic guy, just yeah, with oh, the, very much. Oh, their whole team is. Their that, whole team is yeah. like like the main guy. The main uh, the Dark captain of the team is named Gunner. Yeah, yeah. Gunner. Yeah. Uh, My name is Gunner. It's it's brutal, but um, yeah. yeah. So I it's it's not good, and uh, that's that. And uh, I gave it a one, a one. And uh, that's all the movies I watched. But I do want to talk briefly about a couple of shows that I that I watched. All right. Um, well, just been watching a lot of uh. uh old Manson interviews, Marilyn Manson oh, from okay. the 90s uh-huh. <laughs> right. on Real Time with Bill Maher on YouTube. So if you get a chance, just check those out. He's delightful. He's <laughs> just the smartest guy, I swear. People hate Manson so much, especially back then. And he just comes on these shows and just destroys them. Like, he's so smart. Anyway, um, then I watched, started watching The Deuce, which is a new HBO show starring oh, James yeah. Franco about the birth of the, uh, the pornography industry in New York, Times Square in the 70s. And um, it was okay. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. It's from the writer of, uh, or the creator of The Wire, right. and, uh, David Simon. And uh, I watched the first season of The Wire a long time ago, and I like it. Uh, but this was not, uh, I don't know. It's just, a, I don't know. It's just like following too many characters. Anytime Frank was on the screen, I, I'm totally engaged. But when it cuts away to some like random pimp or something, I'm just yeah. like, who is this guy? Like, I don't care about this guy, what he's doing. I understand why Franco. he's important because later, probably they'll probably use his hookers to film the pornography. But like in the first episode, there's nothing like that going on. It's just like, you know, these horrible things happening, and then like you know, <laughs> just characters being miserable. 
But then anytime they cut to Franco, it's just awesome because he's like this bartender. He's got this killer accent, and he's got a twin brother, so you get double Franco. Oh, nice. And, uh, <laughs> and, is, uh, it, is it like his real brother? No, no, no. Or, it's him. It's him playing yeah, both yeah, roles. Yeah. Okay. He's it's his twin. Yeah, yeah. Twin. Twin. Identical brother. twin. Identical. Okay. Twin. So, anyways, uh, yeah. So. One and his his twin is like a, a scumbag, like gambler, uh, you know, like a, you know, in debt to the mob and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the mob's coming to bother the good Franco about it. They're like, you got to pay his debt. And all Does this. he look like him? It's pretty good. Well, they do mistake. They do him. mix At him one up. Point, they, they <laughs> like, grab, uh, of course, they grab him and throw him against the wall. And they're like, you owe everybody around town. And he's they, they call him they call him Frankie. And he's like, I'm Vincent. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good though. Frank- do I look married to you? <laughs> yeah. That's- do you see a ring on my finger? The toilet seat. <laughs> What's up, man? Oh, yeah. The Lodowski, dude. That's good. Um, <laughs> the deuce is okay, but uh, Franco's very good. I'll ah, the watching. deuce, the dude. Yeah. I uh, also uh, continued uh, watching the show The Sinner, which I talked about a few a few mm. weeks ago on an episode that doesn't exist anymore, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and The Sinner is a show with Jessica Biel about a woman who commits a murder on a beach, and uh, it's kind of inexplicable. And it's been getting really, really good. Very deep into the mystery now. A lot of strange stuff is happening. Mm. A lot of memories coming to the surface. Uh, started rewatching True Detective season one. All right. Uh, had been wanting to for a long time. Kevin was talking about it again, so I was like, "Well, I'll go ahead and rewatch this beast." And I uh, almost, I wanted to be done with it before today. I've got one more episode left. Uh, but I mean, I've seen it before, obviously. But yeah. uh, it is just. It's better written than I even remembered it being. It's really well written, man. The, the, I felt the same way when the, I went back and watched the it. The writing like, is insane. Wow, yeah. And yeah. the and the acting is really good. Uh especially Harrelson. Like I everybody talks yeah. about McConaughey and he's he's fantastic in it. But Woody Harrelson is so good in this. Like he's yeah. just so like he's he's like the foil to everything McConaughey says. And I love McConaughey's like he goes on these ridiculous philosophical rants, and then Woody Harrelson will just shut him down. Yeah, <laughs> like it'll just it'll, it's, oh man, it's just the best. You just got to see it. It's I need fantastic. to see it. I you still got to see it. I'll bring you the Blu-ray if you want. Uh, we might have it at the library. Okay, I well, I've, it's really, really good. Anyway, I For highly sure. recommend the first season of True yeah. Detective. Have you seen <laughs> yeah. the second? Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although, season. although so, I do so want to talk to you about the second season yeah, briefly sure. because I forgot. I meant to mention this. Um, when you had said you you were you were finished or you had posted about Vince Vaughn being cool in it or yeah, whatever, yeah. Uh, I re- it, it made me want to rewatch the like the very last scene with Colin Farrell where he's in the redwood forest yeah, and he's yeah. shooting them. That scene rules it where does, he's running yeah. away from those guys and he shoots and he's especially just when he unloads clips into these guys. Yeah, and they just yeah. it's like they're getting shot by like machine gun fire. It looks so good. I don't know yeah. what they did. Great squibs. It's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. My problem with the second... I mean, it's a lot of problems with the second season. Yeah, for sure. I hate Taylor Kitsch in everything he's ever been in. So he's horrible. I think his character could have been interesting. Yeah. But he's bad yeah. in it, in my opinion. Like, he's just got this brooding, unnecessarily brooding presence. Yeah. He, he always talks like this. No matter what the role is, I'm Taylor Kitsch. Like, it's just he's, he's yeah, awful. like Batman, and like he's some he's supposed to be like like an Af, like Afghani veteran, mm-hmm. and like apparently he was a part of like some killer crack squad yeah. that like it's like dude like okay like yeah. this is like I think the biggest problem with the second season of True Detective it's like uh, the guy who wrote um, season one and created the show Nick Pizzolatto like he grew up in South Louisiana 
So he knew like the back of his hand yeah. everything that was going to go on in the first in the first season. You know, all the characters, all the settings, it's everything. But like when you get to season two and it takes place in Los Angeles, it's like very obviously someone who has not lived in Los Angeles and they're just like going down the checklist of like, oh, if if something is happening in Los Angeles, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. Rodney King has to be mentioned, the riots have to be sure. mentioned. Um, and that's a, that's the weird thing about like it. Racist though. cops have to be in there somewhere. And you so know, it's like stereotypical. It's Los Angeles. very stereotypical, like to the point where it's like laughable. Hmm. Well, that's the weird thing about it, though, is that it's like it's not even said in Los Angeles. It's like they made up a county, which yeah. is which is all which is weird because like in True Detective season one, from as far as far as I can tell, and I'm not a you know a geography major or anything for Louisiana, but like all the towns are real, like all the yeah. parishes they mention are real, yeah. and like everything is pretty much real except for the characters and like you know obviously like there are characters who are based on people like Edwin Tuttle is based on the Edwin Edwards and then yeah, uh, yeah. his brother is based on Jimmy Swaggart, but it's like all the, those are real people too. You just, obviously you wouldn't like have you know when you watch the show you realize why they wouldn't you know name the characters Edwin Edwards and Jimmy Swagger you yeah, know because exactly. you, like, you but, get sued uh, but it's like <laughs> but, yeah. but it's like I, yeah I don't understand the second season seems like it's happening in some kind of like weird fantasy world where they like yeah, when they yeah. go to that bar and that woman is singing those like ridiculously sad songs there is no way in hell heaven or earth that that girl would be there every single week I know week. what like, crowd is not- she bringing in exactly <laughs> Like she's and she, she's just like bringing the joint down, man. There's yeah. like four people in the room now. If there was like if there was like even just one like you know two second scene where like Vince Vaughn like you know he's like kind of the owner of the the club. So yeah. like if he had like looked over and like given given like a, a wink or anything, she was to revealed like to be his sister or something. Yeah, yeah, or he like owes her a favor, or something, yeah, you know. just something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I yeah. hated that, and I and I really I'm not a big. I usually I like it when characters talk to like disembodied spirits or like things that are in their imagination so like uh when he's talk like when uh, colin farrell talks to his father at the bar yeah or yeah. Uh, vince vaughn talks to the all the different apparitions when he's dying yeah like normally i would like that kind of stuff i don't know something about this this it just seemed very like disingenuous to me For in sure, that season yeah. i don't know why but i just couldn't get into it and by the time it happens with vince vaughn it's so late and i've already i'd already pretty much given up that it was going to be like I was, I was like I'm not into this, but I'm going to finish watching it. Yeah, and like the the entire ending, I thought was it's like okay, I see what you're doing. I don't see why you needed to do it. How do you feel about third season? Have you heard the third season? I they're coming out. With it's going to be set. It's been greenlit. It's going to be set in the like art in like Arkansas in the Ozarks. All right, and then that uh, could be pretty cool. And yeah. then it's also uh, starring uh, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Oh yeah, who's yeah. in Moonlight? Yeah, yeah, he's and, great. Uh, it's going to apparently be directed partially by Jeremy Saulnier, who directed Green Room. All right. So Ooh, I'm excited. Got to yeah. get a little excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> At least the good. violence will be good. I would absolutely <laughs> love it if he was directing all of the episodes. I would too, but he's like co-directing with some other guy they mentioned. I don't know. It, okay. I don't understand why they don't just give it to one director. Because like obviously, it, when you give it to Kerry Fukunaga in the first one, yeah, obviously exactly. that works. It works so well. Like, why not be consistent? Why give it to like eight different directors? It just makes no sense. Yeah, like, um, and yeah, the second season, um, I I read something, like, some HBO exec, like, came out and was like, yeah, we rushed them, and that's why it's Yeah, I saw that. But but even then, like, I I can buy it for a little bit, but 
I'm not going to pay a whole dollar for it. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I'll I'll give it like twenty five cents. Sure. Well, I'll tell you uh, what, you guys have got me kind of excited to go watch uh, season one now. For sure. Yeah. Like I said, I've never seen it. We actually. Uh, I'd do- be very curious. I almost posted a scene from it on your Facebook. Oh yeah. I'd be very curious to hear your your my take on it. Yeah. On All certain right. parts yeah. of it. Okay. Very curious. Well, why in particular me? Just there's there McConaughey's view on religion oh, okay. and how he talks about religion especially okay. in episode 2 I don't know if you remember that when they go to the tent yeah the tent revival yeah. with ah. Shane Wiggum with Shane, oh. Shane real girls great. Yeah, oh yeah yeah. yeah I like him uh, he's a little over the top in it, but he, he's still yeah. but he's good yeah, yeah. he was <laughs> but, a little uh, over the top in all the real girls <laughs> yeah I, I really like Shane Wiggum though but, he's, yeah, it, yeah. It, but it's just like you, when you watch a show like True Detective you see all these actors you recognize, and you realize they're all from the stable of HBO actors like yeah, he's yeah. on Boardwalk uh, yeah. Empire for all all five or six seasons yeah and then it's like the uh one of the characters was also on bulwark empire and then there's like a couple of them from uh other shows like the wire and stuff so yeah you see you see all these random people okay. but, yeah. but yeah uh season one is fantastic and uh just almost finished watching i was, Can't wait. I was actually thinking about it the other day because i uh lead a writer's workshop here where i work at the library and a lady submitted like a murder mystery set in louisiana so and uh, one of the other writers was like oh this has a very true detective season one feel he's like season one not season yeah, yeah. two <laughs> it's like, it a very season one uh feel to it so it's like oh that's interesting yeah. go check that out Although now. i gotta say like all the all the way up to the end like yeah there are a couple of you know, a couple of moments in in the season where you know he's not like absolutely 100% but Vince Vaughn does a really great job as a gangster who's trying to just hold on to you know everything that he has and like he he does a really great job I really like Vince Vaughn a lot and I liked I like Anything that he does where he's serious, I've liked it. Like yeah. I, even, I like Psycho. I like the remake yeah, of Psycho. Yeah, I do too. I and still I, need to see that. I think he's great in like... I mean, Clay Pigeons is a comedy, but he's pretty dark in it. I like him in that. I like I like him a lot and a lot of stuff. And uh, I, I guess I just felt like he was maybe too serious in it. Like he, I can I, see that. I could have used sure, a yeah. little bit of like that, you know, like... Like it's okay if he wants to be like a like a badass and stuff, but it's like... It's trying too he's, hard. Yeah, it's like he was already port- he's portraying badass really hard, and then it's like they give you that scene where he beats up that biker guy and like knocks his teeth out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I don't know if I needed to see that. Like I get that he's a badass because the way he's acting. Like I, it just like seems like well we got to prove that he's a badass. And it's like yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would, it would be more it would be more interesting to me if he like ordered somebody to kill the guy or you know what I mean like he has, he has power or something. Yeah, like, not yeah. that he's like a physically dominating presence, which I guess he is. He's like eight feet tall, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this is a film podcast, so I guess we'll move on to <laughs> some movies. It's uh, very filmic. A very fi- very filmic TV show. It's yes. directed by a film director, True Fukunaga. So yeah, True Dat, True Detective. All right, John. You, is that it for you? No, you yeah, hey, you're done. Well, I watched some uh, watched some Howard Stern vids on YouTube and some Tom <laughs> Green uh, show on YouTube. <laughs> I watched uh, some Peppa Pig with Tom my daughter uh, on YouTube. I really <laughs> go into really, our YouTube. <laughs> I really did uh, history. I really did though. I've been watching a lot of Stern on YouTube. It's really cool. funny. All right. Kev, what you got for us? What have you been watching recently? Let's see, watched uh, yeah, watched quite a few things. Um, let's see. First off, rewatched Mad Max. Uh, first time seeing it since the theater. Still holds up. Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Fury, Max Road Fury Road, right? Road. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, still still holds up. Very very visual. Um, 
I like I like all the effects because you know it's it's all real cars, real explosions out there in the desert. There is some CGI, but it's like rare and appropriate. Like they only use it when they actually like really need it. And yeah, I think um, is it though. I think not. Not to interrupt you. I think <laughs> like yeah, there like as much of hype that film got for being like pragmatic and practical effects. I felt like like I noticed a lot of CGI. Just in the background, I think it got a lot of. I think it got a lot of uh, uh, press for practical effects because Kevin's not wrong. I mean, all the cars. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff's real. So like that, and that is like a feat. But uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I mean, there's a lot of CGI like backdrops. Like, I don't know the the storms and stuff. Yeah, the sandstorms. Yeah, like how are you going to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's like what I mind is like, I mean, in the film, I don't, I don't. I don't love the film. I I, I like it though. I, I don't, yeah. I don't hate it. It's decent. It's like my third favorite Mad Max movie. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I do I do like it. Um, I just think that uh, it's a little bit like there's just there are little tiny things that really rub me the wrong way, like just simple stuff like the fact that there are so many guns bothers me. When it's like <laughs> it's a weird in thing. Mad Max Two Road Warrior. Uh, like having a gun is like a luxury and when and like he finds a bullet and it's like oh my god there's a bullet like so it's like realistic like realistically for you like why are there so many guns there are no you know bullets anywhere you got to find that stuff and uh, in this one it's like he you know there's like everybody's got like a machine gun or a glock (laughs) or you know it's just like i don't know that kind of stuff just it's like there's nitpicky but it just rubs me the wrong way a little stuff uh, you know i don't have a problem with like Charlize Theron's character, I like the idea of this this woman who's trying to rescue these women. Yeah. Because, yeah. because she's a woman and she wants to, you know, she doesn't yeah. want these women she's being a sex dynamic slaves character. or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but at the same time, I, and, it's, and it's the writer's fault or the writing's fault. I guess George Miller wrote it, right? Uh, him and him with somebody else. Uh-huh. Yeah. The writing is horrible. Like the, the dialogue, the dialogue is the rough. worst. Like the yeah. when 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 there is dialogue, when they're talking <laughs> in the truck, and they're like, it's like this this very sliver of character development that there, which I don't mind. There shouldn't be any character development. Who cares? You know, like enough to to show his weird flashbacks and show him being crazy. He's Mad Max. We get it. But like this, like these dialogue sequences where he's like. What are you hoping to find out there? And she's like, redemption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's just brutal. Like yeah. I don't like, and it means nothing because what is she trying to redeem herself from? Like what is like what is the pro- like there is no, there is no con like stick with the actual conflict of the film, <laughs> which is we're running away from these people and they want to kill us. Let's get away. Like that's the that's the film. That's what I want to see. They say that the film is one long chase. It's not though. Make it one long chase. Wait, make it one. Well, long I don't want to steal the show too much from Kevin and his I don't either, Kevin. So, so why Kevin, why are you letting me talk so much? Go ahead. <laughs> well, Force of personality. Like I said last time. <laughs> so what? What else you got for Fury Road? I mean, I didn't want to uh, steal I, your thoughts I, there. I, I can definitely see where John is coming from. Um, I, I don't think it. I don't think it takes away from it. Uh, I think the uh, the only thing that I I kind of have nitpicky problems with is like you know they they get to you know. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody! They get to where you know they get to where they're going. It's not what they you know not thought what it they was. Thought it was going to yeah. be. And yeah, and then it has like um, then you know when they're riding back, they have all these badass grannies that get kind of picked off one by one. I th- I thought that was a little 
that was a little like too much winking to the audience because mm. um, yeah like when the movie came back there was there was a lot of stuff going on about like how you know it wasn't really like could you call it a Mad Max movie because it's basically you know, you could call it Furiosa, Furiosa yeah for all for all that you know Max is important to to the kind of story which you know like I think it's cool that George Miller did that like he gave Charlie Theron you know a woman a vehicle to be a pretty great action star yeah. and I think she does really well like um you know thinking about like other stuff that I've seen her in you know like uh Eon well, Flux Eon Flux well I vastly prefer the uh, show Young Adult uh, well Monster Monster um uh Devil's Advocate um what Reindeer else? Games and you're comparing her <laughs> I haven't seen that actually. you're comparing her other performances yeah, or roles like, uh, to try, yeah, Furiosa to, like, other yeah and like even uh even her character in Arrested Development is she she's a great actress yeah Two Days in the Valley you haven't seen it no you guys suck man <laughs> you suck you anyway. suck <laughs> But yeah, I, you're uh, the geek camel breath. To, pig, uh, to piggyback on you there, I, I did think it was a little light on Mad Max and a little heavy on Furiosa, and I didn't yeah. mind that. I just thought, like, yeah, I thought you kind of get into it thinking this is going to be about Mad Max. It's Mad Max Fury Road, and then yeah, not sure, so much but, Mad Max, you know. And yeah, I wasn't I really. Know, uh, I mean, he's in every scene. I mean, I know, but he doesn't like, like. They didn't really do anything with this character for me. He's like, just, he's just helping this. It's like it's, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's like the classic. Uh, Role reversal, like branded, I guess. Uh, no, it's not a role reversal. It's like the classic, like 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 you know, Western show where the character comes to town and solves a problem and then leaves. Like he yeah. he, he meets her, he helps her solve her problem. End of movie. Like but that's, I don't know. I didn't really feel like he had. He needed more to do with solving the problem. If that makes sense. Like I didn't feel like she couldn't have done it without him. He fixed the truck. Yeah, I don't know. And he's the one who convinces her to go back and retake the place. Buy him. That was kind of... And then she turns the water on. That was yeah. kind of cheesy. You're cheesy. I'm just, whatever. <laughs> I did like the car chases, though. What do yeah. you gave this? A five? Five. I gave All this right. a, three, a three and a half the first time I saw it. No, a 3.25 the first time I saw it. Uh-huh. And a 3.75 on rewatch. Okay. Yeah, I gave could, it a three and a half. could go up over a four okay. next time. Yeah, if I rewatched it, I think when I watched it, it was like right around Oscar season, so it was like... The super hype of this is going to win all the Oscars, and I was everybody was raving about <laughs> it. Like this is going to be amazing. So I watched it like the day of the Oscars, and I was like, that was pretty good. But I wanted a little bit like you, a little bit more story. Dialogue was kind of weak. Gave it a three and a half. All right. Okay. What else you got? Uh, so that's see. one. Movie, also, right? Yeah. Let's, <laughs> that's one. <laughs> Half an hour later. <laughs> Literally, actually. So, uh, okay. So watched Sid and Nancy. Gave that one a three and a half. Like uh, I, I thought all the acting was really superb. For me, like I mean, I'm not a Sex Pistols fan, so like I feel like to really get into that movie, you need to be like either a hardcore punk rock fan, Sid Vicious fan, Sex Pistols fan. Um, yeah, uh, watched uh, Carlito's Way, which like freaking Al Pacino in this movie, man. But also coming in under the radar, Sean Penn. Like, great job as this, like, you know, like, shyster lawyer. Like, he, he was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Davey Kleinfeld. That's right. <laughs> it's a great film. Uh, you know, he did that to make money to fund The Crossing Guard. 
John Low balls that in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the cross. No, I'm not right. saying. I'm not saying it's like a bad thing. I'm like, he he does a great I, job yeah, in the I film. Mean, but I'm saying like this is a bit of trivia. He did oh, yeah, that yeah. to fund his own yeah, film. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I think it's great. Obviously, it's in my top ten. I love it. Yeah, this yeah. shows how, you can, how you uh, feel about the action sequences at the end. I thought it was really great. The only th- the only thing that really d- detracted from the movie for me was the soundtrack and oh, the, yeah. and the score. You didn't like the score? Yeah, I, yeah. I, it takes I, a while. It, you got to watch it about fifteen more times. It grows on you. Okay. <laughs> well, like the, the whole like that that scene where um, like they they finally get back into bed with each other and like you are so beautiful. I was like, God, yeah. Rescue me from this nacho cheese that I'm drowning in. <laughs> what about uh, how'd you feel about Benny Blanco, John Leguizamo in it? I thought he was really He's so great. good. Isn't John Leguizamo he? He is great. Like, uh, and then like, uh, well, you you and I know, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone else out okay. there. Okay. What do we know? What? Oh, the ending. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hi, also, another great, just these great, just these great small performances, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Liling. <laughs> I didn't realize he was in that. Yeah. Oh, he's great, man. He's great. He's just, his, he, and his scene is hysterical, but I don't think it's supposed to be, but it, it really, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, been too long know. since I've seen it. I don't really remember anything, yeah. so. Let's see. Need a rewatch. Need a rewatch that beast. Rewatch. Yeah. Classic diploma. All right, I want to hear about With Nail and I. Uh, okay, With Nail and I gave it three stars. I thought uh, thought the acting was pretty good. Um, Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. As uh, With Paul Nail. McGann. Um, Directed by Bruce Robinson. Yeah. Um, Rich, Richard uh, Griffiths as the um, the gay uncle. Um, <laughs> so great as the gay uncle. Yeah, you know, good good stuff. I don't know. It's wonderful I, review. Wonder, Let's continue. Good yeah. stuff. It, it, it didn't really make that big an impact. This, on this me. is one of those that it's made a big impact on me, so I suggest you got to see it when you're like 14. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. I saw it probably when I was like 20, 21. Thought it was hilarious. Oh, really? um, I saw it when I was a teenager for sure. Really? Yeah. I thought I suggested. I thought we watched it together. No, I saw it before. Oh, you saw it before? Yeah. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you were fourteen. I was twenty. <laughs> maybe I was, maybe I had the uh, the maturity level of a fourteen year old. Probably so. Anyway, I'd suggest it. It's a great yeah. film. And drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> What, what you got? I rewatched the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Because John was talking about them, uh, what, two podcasts ago? I talked about one of them. Yeah, one you, well, you talked about The Dark Knight. We'd yeah, mentioned which, other like, ones, but I oh. Kevin went back and watched the trilogy. <sighs> In Kevin. one day. Yeah. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Now he's, now he's wondering why he owns them all. He's ready to get I rid don't of own them. them all. Oh, you don't own them no, all? No, no. Good. I got those from the library. Public library, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Batman Begins, like, where do you... It's so cheesy. Yeah. Like, it's so winking to the kids, and for, like, a quote-unquote, you know, gritty, realistic take on The Dark Knight, eh, no. I mean... How do you like it when when, uh, Nolan said in an interview, this movie doesn't have one-liners, and then he literally says in the trailer... I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman, and and you know, uh, oh god, like maybe know, our like, expectations why, why have gotten fall, better over son? the years. So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. 
that's just beautiful writing right there you know yeah it's great I mean I can think of like one one genuine scene that I thought was really heartfelt really well done when uh, kid Bruce Wayne is you know blaming himself for his parents death and you just see Alfred just shatter like his whole world is shattered because he thinks that you know the kid that he's taken care of and that he's grown to love as a son over you know what the five ten years like you just see it in Michael Caine's face that like he's broken because he's seeing the little boy be broken. Like, little boy, it is the little boy's fault though. Should have been a little bitch and complained to his parents and had to leave early. His parents would be alive. Now you're quoting yeah. Liam Neeson directly <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's like, hard. It's hard yeah. for Michael Caine not to and, shine in like, like anything was, that he's in. I think he's a great and, like, actor. I didn't realize the first time I watched it. Like uh, you know, there's the Joseph Campbell thing of the uh, you know the hero's journey and the concept of like. The second father, which Liam Neeson, you know, like, it's just, you know, like, he is a circle. He's being dropped into the circle peg. Um, strike that. Reverse it. Uh, and, yeah, and then, like, you know, your father lacked the courage to do what was necessary. Uh, <laughs> That's so bad, that, actually. That's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> was that a Liam Neeson? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, like... I think the biggest thing about all three films is that they, you know, they go out of their way to try to teach you lessons, but they do it in a very condescending way. They do, they establish it at the beginning, they do everything they can to, like, beat it into you by the time the movie ends, and then, like, like the best example is with uh, Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight. You know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You see that happen. Yeah. You see it, you know, it's right in your face that that is what's happening. It's like screenwriting 101. Exactly. And then, of course, Batman. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That was pretty good, actually. Thank you. All you have to do is, like, hold your nose because he always... Uh, basically, yeah. He's like mouth. He's a mouth breather, man. Yeah, and those like, mob fools. That's, that's, that's the joke. Yeah. Like, I think like Heath then you Led- got to smile real big when you do. I that. think Heath Ledger does a good job as a joke as as the Joker in the confines of this world that the Nolans and David S. Goyer have made up. But that portrayal of the Joker, I feel, is very very lackluster. Like. I'm actually in the process of writing a blog about this right now. Like uh, one of the and one of the things is like looking back at Mark Hamill and the animated Joker. Like the problem with Heath Ledger's Joker, he doesn't laugh enough. Mm. He doesn't like for me like You want more Nicholson? Well, actually, that would be nice. Um, He's laughing like, like, like every biggest... minute of the first Batman movie. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's the point that I'm trying to get at. Like, you know, the Joker in the Dark Knight. I'm an agent of chaos. Oh, I like this job. I like it. Like, okay, that's your job? You're an agent of chaos? Like, for me, it's much more terrifying to see someone who, like, genuinely feels so gleeful that they just can't help but explode in laughter when they're doing terrible things. You know, like Yeah, that's like, creepier, I think. Yeah, like if um yeah, if he had laughed more, if he had like been genuinely happy about what he was doing, it would have been so much more terrifying 
so much better and in my opinion so much truer to the character of the joker that's probably nolan like reining him back in the in his direction yeah, like yeah. oh we don't want to realistic yeah we want it to be whatever. we want it to be more realistic more gritty so having somebody just straight up laughing all the time yeah. seems a little campy and like i guess it depends well, on I, how I, you do it it could be campy but it could it <laughs> could Nicholson. be terrifying if you do it right yeah and i feel like i feel like heath ledger could have done that and let's see. I just wonder if like also Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, too effing long. They're both really long. Like one of them's like one of them's two and a half. The other's two forty five. What Rises is two forty five. Yeah, Rises yeah. is two forty five. It's too long. I remember it being. And really they long. gloss over too much in Dark Knight Rises. Like one minute, old boy is you know being dropped in a prison in India. You know he gets out. And like next scene, he's back in Gotham. Like jumped on the Concord, I guess, because he's Bruce Wayne. He's got a and you know that that, to- that totally wouldn't Mach make 6. news in like Los Angeles or any. He's got other the Batwing. He's got the Batwing waiting no, right outside was, the cell. Was, no, that no, was no. parked. <laughs> they make it, they make, I'm joking. I don't know. They make a deal about that. He left it parked. Oh, That's not really. I mean, those, those are those are uh, good points. But at the same time, it's like I just feel like those are like. Like, not to defend Nolan, because Nolan is the worst. But, like, if, if <laughs> I feel like he's probably, one, he's probably thinking about the story, and he's not concerned with, like, minor, like, plot nitpick things like that. Like, he's probably more concerned with, like, the journey of the character. And then, right. two, two, I mean, seriously, he probably is thinking about that. And then, two... Uh, it feels like an edit. It's really more on the edit. Runtime. We need to cut it back. Are you talking about the podcast? <laughs> no, I'm talking oh. about the movie. <laughs> I thought you were telling me to shut up. Like, no, he's probably we like move on. No, we, uh, we no. probably do, but like, uh, no, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, well, like if it was up to Nolan, I'm sure if there were no rules and it was up to obviously any director is going to get self indulgent and like Nolan yeah, would yeah. probably make like a three and a half hour movie if he could. But obviously the studio doesn't want a three and a half hour movie. No, they probably think it's pushing it at two forty five. But since it's the last film in the trilogy, they can get away with that. You know, yeah, everybody's going to see it anyway. So and, and it feels like, more uh, like an like editing kind of thing like yeah. they, they probably could make that make sense by including a scene about how he got back but they're like we don't really have time for that who really cares yeah, how he yeah. gets back the point is that he gets back and fights yeah. Spain and yeah, whatever yeah. And not, not that I mean I, I, like I I want to try I hate The Dark Knight Rises yeah. so it's my least favorite of the three so. yeah mine too but I would, I'd like to try and maybe defend it for whatever reason just, just to have some defense of it I'm, I'm just wondering it's been a while since I've seen these films mm-hmm you know they came out a good while ago but i'm wondering if our expectations have increased over the years like you know we're looking back at it now and after all the praise it's gotten you know it's the dark knight trilogy it's christopher nolan and everything but like when they came out like what other like what other superhero movies is this kind of like coming out of the dust of i think this was in a time period when it was like X-Men. oh well yeah there's there's x-men which X-Men was thriving when thriving but yeah, I, you know, it's two like years this. Later, you get the first Iron Man, which first Iron off Man. The Marvel but it's like this is the first big DC push where it's like, oh, we're getting the the gritty, dark, you know, yeah, but, serious filmmaker into okay, uh, what's the point? a trilogy. Oh, that's, that's that's just the, the point. Is like it's coming from you know, yeah, you had a a few franchises around the same time that I agree were, it's getting were, a lot of praise because it's a comic book movie that that's trying to be good. more serious yeah well, this is the people think it's well good. also oh, yeah. like as far as like the dark and gritty thing like you never see 
someone's fist go directly into someone's body. You never see like the like like John was talking about a while back. Like the violence is like very confusing and yeah, very, the editing like, and stuff. very heavily yeah. edited. Like you never see someone actually get punched or get kicked or whatever. Like yeah, yeah there's some judo in there and you know like a couple of like some twisting of arms. But like even when Batman is in the interrogation room with the Joker and you know he's like punching him right in the forehead, you don't see it. You hear a boom. Yeah, it always and, cuts and, away. And, yeah, and it cuts away. So, what's and, the, and what's with him? I always never understood that either. He, and there's when, no blood in any of these when, movies that I can that I can remember. There probably is. I don't know, but no, I don't think well, so. Yeah, like oh boy, like Batman gets his arm sliced, and like you see you see the wound, but that's you know there's no like gushing of blood, and like uh, you know you yeah you you see you know. I mean, Two faces, like, like you know, his face is like just charred muscle and ligaments and all. Okay, yeah. it's rated. These movies uh, are terrible. I agree. It's PG thirteen for the cat suit. Uh, well, <laughs> you gave it one star for the cat suit, one right? One star for the cat suit because, like, I remembered, <laughs> I remembered Anne Hathaway being hot. She's but Anne Hathaway is a beautiful woman. She is. Beautiful. I mean, if you want, if you want to go see Anne when Hathaway she's, when she's squatting in front oh of oh my that god, safe? wow, wow, you just go watch Havoc. Have you seen Havoc? Uh, no, you get to see all of Anne Hathaway in Havoc. Man. <laughs> <laughs> she gets, she like she, wow, like she's the most graphic part of a uh, Brokeback Mountain. There you go. Watch yeah. that too. All right. Yeah, I liked her in Les Mis. <laughs> She's a good singer. What a Should to- try to tone this down here. All the chauvinism in this room. All right. Anyway, move it on. Take anything away from her acting. Oh, but it's chauvinist to say she's beautiful and, and you oh, know, you get to see all of her. And you do. Moment. I mean, she's naked in that movie. She's all good right. in it too. She's naked. I mean. <laughs> she's good. Naked. Right, if you want to, if you want to see her naked, watch Havoc. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> real quick to wrap it up. Uh, the swimmer, Burt Lancaster, great acting. Based on the short story. Uh, based on the short story by John Cheever, um, like it's it's such a such a heartbreaking thing. Like and like it's like it's like walking down a staircase. It's or going downhill. Like you know, it's just as it goes on, it gets so much more depressing, and it just ends with oh man, it's man speechless. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Also, uh, Rafifi, which, uh, good example. Jules Dassin. Um, yeah. On the know, great, great example of hard, of a hard case crime movie. Um, the French, right? Yeah. French. Yeah. Because, uh, Jules Dassin was blacklisted in, in America. 50s. Yeah. I've only seen, uh, or it's, sympathizing with it's often, uh, sure yeah, it's often on like the top 10 crime films. It's pretty good. Seen it on a Uh, lot of lists. I I gave it a three because, like, a a lot of the stuff, like, it is, like, very hardcore at times, but then, like, it just, like, the the pacing of the movie drags. Um, And it drags, like, for a long time. All right. Well, I'll get into what I watched real quick before the deep dive. Um, Took took some time to get into some more Jarmish, as I've been on my Jarmish kick, so... John was kind enough to loan me Ghost Dog, so that was a rewatch I'd seen it a couple years back, uh, and I liked it better than I liked it the first time I watched it. Still, uh, not my favorite Jarmusch. I'd say I liked it. I didn't really love it. Gave it, love it. Gave I it three it. and a half. You're wrong. I love it. I, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about how I feel about it. Huh? Five stars. Is it five stars for you? Uh, 
four and a half? No, probably not. It'd probably be like four or four and a half. Four and a half. Really, I really. I like mean, it it's lot. good. I, I did. That was another one. It just felt really long. It kind of drug. I don't, have um, I don't know. See, I don't have problems with that. Like with the Jarvis driving films. scenes where I he's driving that. around when with the rap music. When he takes the CD and he like flips it. He and, flip- like, He's got that glove on. It's just so good. Well, yeah. Like- and, and like the, he puts the CD in it and it's like he's putting it. It, look, it looks like he's putting it upside down. Like, yeah, it does. He's to show the label. It's just so or good. Or I thought though. maybe he had like clear CDs. Like maybe. he couldn't tell. It rules. I don't know. I love all that stuff. I, I mean, those. I mean, obviously, like Jarvis has like great little details like that. The hip hop was great. The soundtrack by RZA. Like I thought. Yeah, I like the music, but it was just like how do you like Rizzo's cameo? The, yeah, Rizzo's yeah. cameo, and where he's, always see everything. My he's brother. actually in. He's actually in camo yeah, for his cameo. Yeah, it's but uh, camo cameo. I don't know if he that was an intended pun or anything. Camo yo, cameo yo, yo yo. What's up? Um, yeah, I thought it had some great characters. Like I thought Forrest Whitaker was great in it. Like he really embodied the ghost dog. Like this, just he's almost like. Um, a samurai well he's a, he's almost a samurai he's almost like kind of insane or like you get he's definitely got like social he's awkward proclam- he's very eccentric yeah. um but he he he's just like silent for almost the first 30 minutes of the movie he doesn't talk he's just on his rooftop with his pigeons practicing samurai moves but um i don't know at the same time like i, I liked a lot of the characters i thought uh isaac uh de Bencole, the Haitian ice cream man was great in it, and like their whole relationship where they can't understand love, each other. I love their scenes he, together. Where yeah, he like repeats it. The, they each repeat the exact same thing exactly. In, the, in their yeah. own language. That was a great it's touch, great. like great Jarmish touches. But for me, it was like Jarmish. He, he's weird. Like he's one of my favorite directors, but sometimes I feel like like he's he definitely has like his own fingerprint on his own like his movies. Like you can tell it's his film. But there's sometimes I feel like there's almost like too much of him, or like it comes across as forced. Like you can tell he's really excited about like those little details, like the Rashomon book or the the Way of the Samurai. Like he's he has like the title cards all throughout, you know, quoting that. And it's like you can it's tell awesome. he's he's into it. Like he's really excited about, and he's almost kind of like forcibly placed some of these details into the scenarios, and it comes across as like a little. You know, quirky. Oh, the girl happens to be reading a Rashomon book when he's like, a, you know, following the code of the samurai. It's like stuff like that. Like comes across like a little too convenient. Just something that Dramish wanted to throw in there because he's excited about it. I don't know. That's works, just works for the plot. It seems more like a plot device to me. Like, well, yeah, she's pl- got to be reading that book so he can get the book. so he can get, get the book and give it to the little girl yeah. again. But a little she's too become the next a little a, a plot device that only Dramish would do. It was a little too convenient. I don't know. Well, he should. I agree. They should have had a scene of him going to Barnes and Noble and picking up Rashomon that he had put on reserve, and then going and giving it to the little girl then as a gift, right? Not with a gift receipt. Like would have been much more interesting. I appreciate. I appreciate like the. No, 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 man. I appreciate like, the reference to Rashomon. You have to like you know they're in like the basement of a oh, building. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. I don't care how he gets the book. <laughs> oh, I think well, you do, the though. fact that the book is in there at all, like oh, you, the book like, shouldn't be in there. Like or he should have it on his shelf, like in his hut or whatever. But he doesn't meet the girl on his in his shelf on his hut. I'm just saying, like the girl. He, he should have the book on him at all times. He, sh- he should have the book from the beginning. I see. Not meet it, not get it randomly from the girl that he killed her uh, lover in front of, or you know, like oh, it just I happened like to be on the floor. I like that she's always watching cartoons. 
That is cool. I really like that. Like, like all the mob, all the yeah, mobsters yeah, yeah. are yeah, watching they all cartoons. Watch cartoons, and sometimes yeah. the cartoons <laughs> correlate with like the action, like what's yeah. about to happen. I also yeah, like yeah. Henry Silva. Henry Silva was hilarious. Yeah. He's great. We uh, mm. yeah, ooh, like <laughs> he's just so comic. Like yeah. they cut to his face, and he's just so he looks ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what about Gary Farmer, man? Gary uh, Farmer's yeah. cameo is great as nobody. nobody. Yeah. Also in Dead Man by Jarmish. But uh how about the what favorite scene? Favorite scene I have a very obvious favorite scene. Is it when he shoots him uh through the sinkhole? No. No? Um I mean that was great. He did rip that off from another movie. Um uh, I forgot the name of it. I never seen it. It's on Criterion. Um Favorite scene out of Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Uh, man, I don't know if I really had a favorite scene. I liked all the scenes with the Haitian ice cream guy. My favorite uh, scene is when he kills the hunters because they shot a bear. Oh, yeah, that and would be says, your favorite scene. Some, because in some cultures, in ancient cultures, cultures, bears are considered equal with humans. He goes, this ain't no ancient culture here, pal. And sometimes goes, it some, is. Sometimes it is. <laughs> it's so, that's the best. That is my favorite part of the. And then I also, yeah. my other favorite line, that's my absolute favorite line of like any Jarmish film ever. But one of my favorite lines also uh, from the film is uh, when he gets shot by uh, Lou. Yeah, his, Louis. His handler or whatever. Yeah, yeah. At the end, he gets shot and he says, It's okay, Lou. I've, I've seen, seen everything, everything I need, I need to, see. to see. I thought that <laughs> was a little so, much. Oh, I don't know. Go, go <laughs> die. Go die. <laughs> I don't know. The best. That, I've seen everything I need to see. I'm ready to die. Oh, it's so good. I mean... Just stop now while you're ahead, Jordan. You're embarrassing yourself. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. It felt a little, again, just a little too forced. Like, maybe it was Whitaker's delivery of that line. It didn't work for me. I mean, it was you're okay. To me. It was okay. <laughs> the whole thing with Lou, though, is like, all his bosses are dead. Like, he wasn't after Ghost Dog to his begin with. His bosses are not dead. Yeah. The woman is alive. The woman is his boss now. Yeah, the daughter. but... He goes and gets in the limo with her. I know, but she wants Ghost Dog killed? Ghost Dog killed her whole family. Probably, yeah. So, so okay. So, you, you think it's like... Yeah, she's the mafiosa now. Mof- mafiosa. Yeah. Yeah, I That's don't know. I always write it anyway. I don't know. That, it's been a while. Like, yeah, he does get in the car there at the end. I don't know. He says it's... He doesn't say, like, it's done it's or something. It's done, yeah. yeah. It's like, she... Made I didn't really get that, though, because, like, why... Like, yeah, she, I guess he killed her whole family, so she... This is a four and a half. So, like, and a half about it. No, no, it's still three and a half. <laughs> but, like, so, like, wouldn't she, wouldn't the little girl be, like, the Shogun and he the Samurai in that scenario? What scenario? We're talking about a different lady now. This is the... the, the this is the daughter, daughter of, of the mob boss. Of the mob okay. boss, yeah. She's not and a young Selva. person. She's, like, our age. Oh yeah, okay. She's like thirty. I need to see the movie again. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Anyway. The young girl that we were talking about is like a little like seven year old black girl. Yeah, who he gives oh, right, to, right, and right, she right, watches right, him get bench. killed. Right, right, yeah. right there. Um, spoiler. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I thought it was decent. Three and a half. Also watched Coffee and Cigarettes by Jarmish. Four stars. Uh, solid. Yeah, really there's funny. No way this movie's better than Ghost Dog. <laughs> oh man. Come on. It's great. I mean, he filmed it over 17 years. It's just like got all these great vignettes woven together. It is good. I don't say it's, it's good. not good. I'm just, it's, it's I don't know. Ghost, Ghost Dog, Dog just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it was, well, it just kind of drugged. You're just out of your mind. I'm out of, out of my gourd. <laughs> He thought, doesn't know uh, suspense. He doesn't understand. I, I still don't understand that. I thought Steve Coogan <laughs> and uh, Alfred Molina and Coffee Cigarettes, that was probably my favorite vignette. Just yeah, that, that, that moment good. between them. Yeah, Steve Coogan's like playing such a jerk. You don't like uh, Jack White's Tesla coil? 
I thought Jack White's acting was distracting. <laughs> he was pretty rough, actually. That was like my least. Him and Meg White. I mean, I like their music, but I don't think they're very good actors. And I thought the again another moment of Jarmusch kind of just inserting something that he thinks is cool. The Tesla coil. Tesla coil. He doesn't think the Tesla coil is cool. The Tesla coil is cool. Is okay. cool. I don't know. I just thought it was a little much. But yeah, that's what I watched. And Cinema Paradiso. So. Oh yeah, I watched Cinema Paradiso as well. Oh, me too. Well, yeah. so we should probably talk about that. Yeah, we should yeah. talk about that. All right. So, do you want to get into what we plan on watching, or we're kind of oh. we're kind of at one hour already? So maybe we should I don't just care jump. how much time it takes. Should just jump we're to it. We're having fun. Are you? I am. I am. You're, I'm Jordan's dead. I'm dead. Have, to you you don't even fun. want to be in the room with me. I'm just dead to you oh, now. Give me a break. Ghost dog. <laughs> I'm going to continue. I'm watching, a ghost dog. To I'm going to continue watching <laughs> Twin Peaks: The Return or the new season of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, finish True Detective. Nice. All right. Nice. I am going to finish The Sinner. But not before the next episode. You're just watching like TV, John, man. Well, these are cinematic movie. television shows. I want to hear about and a movie. Then, uh, for movies, I'm going to go see It this weekend, probably. All right. You know, got to mm-hmm. see It. Uh, got to see of, It. Speaking was going to be, was going to be directed by Kerry Fukunaga. Right. He left it, I guess. But uh, Yeah, creative difference. Quote, unquote, creative It still looks like a Kerry Fukunaga film as far as it, the look yeah. of it. <laughs> Very much looks like his, uh, his aesthetic. But... Uh, Pretty pretty uh, curious to see that one, and uh, yeah, probably we'll probably watch something else. Did you go see Logan Lucky yet? Nah, probably won't make it. Probably not going to make more because mm-hmm. it's just too too long now. And I've listened to the review on other podcasts, and I'm uh, just uh, you know you fizzled out your yeah, interest. I'll just probably watch it when yeah. it comes out. You know, same here. Okay. What about you, Kev? What you plan on watching? Also going to see it. Um, Really looking forward to this one. It looks a lot better than The Dark Tower. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see all these characters again because I uh, read the book, saw the TV miniseries. Uh, the miniseries is okay. Uh, it's not uh, not great by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I am interested to see this new take on, on what... Um, on what they do with the characters and with uh, particularly with Pennywise and with it because uh, I thought Pennywise was it he is not Pennywise oh. is a servant of it oh, I probably don't want to hear any more about this I don't okay. know any of this I want to go into the oh. movie fresh here Kevin spoil on man dude I already, movie- I already know way too much just from people <laughs> talking about the other uh, the other thing the John Ritter movie well, it's got uh, this book's thirty-one years old. Man. Well, like, I, it's like read, I don't oh, read wow. Stephen King, nerd. Okay, <laughs> you want me to say hard nerd. Well, it's like all these. It's like all these. Uh, like apparently, there's been a big thing about like how uh, it is like ruining business for legitimate clowns, and it's like I'm sorry, <laughs> guys. Like this this book came out thirty-one years ago. Who who hires a clown anyway for anything? Like what what is the think of a situation where you would actually think, you know, we should probably get a clown for this. Birthday yeah. party? Like for who? What kind of a nutto kid wants a clown at their birthday party? Four year old? I don't know. A four year old can you could put a yeah. clown on T V for a four year old. They don't know what's going on. Also, like, you know, yeah, okay, you can blame Stephen King, you can blame it, but you know who also dressed as a clown before the book ever came out? Bozo. Well, besides him. Besides right. the other clowns? John Wayne Gacy. Oh, oh yeah. He, he was 
a kid's. Oh, I see. He ruined. He was a kid's too. party clown. I got you. So yeah, that, yeah so like guys, you know, like ch- chill out. Sufian Stevens' song ruined clowns for me, man. <laughs> Anyways, anyway, what uh, else are you watching? Also, going to be watching the Samurai trilogy. All right. Um, um, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, the guy who did uh, the Three Colors trilogy, Kiyosaki. Uh, that guy. Um, let's see. Also, going to be watching a bit more Burt Lancaster. Like he is easily becoming one of my favorite actors right now. Just got to get him and Warren Oates in the same thing, and you're gold. He was. In- I would love that. Actually, I watched something with him. What did I watch with him, man? Uh, from here to eternity. No, no, the leopard. Leopard. success. A late, a movie, real late in his career. The leopard. No, I saw that he was in a a version of Island of Doctor Moreau with uh, Michael York, and I would love to see that. It looks pretty ridiculous, but I mean, it might actually be good. All yeah. right. Well, I plan on watching. This is uh, John's assignment for me from last week. I still haven't gotten around oh, to it. That's ridiculous. We got this. Hard is not to okay. be a guy. This is not okay. Why? Because if we're, I mean, if we're assigning films where it's like I beat you, so you have to watch this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna watch then it. You need to watch it by the time the next show. I didn't comes say out. I was gonna watch it. It's a you three hour to. Russian movie, dude. Watch it under two sittings. I did. It's, it's three hours. Two Come on. sittings. It's ninety. Minutes. I had to watch Ghost Dog and give that you back to you. Did not have to watch. I, don't care <laughs> I had to watch Copy and Cigarettes. <laughs> I got to finish my Jarvis run. See, man. that's not that's uncool. I don't like that. All right, I'm uncool, but I'm still gonna plan yeah, on watching it. You're not uncool. It. The situation is uncool. <laughs> the situation is not satisfactory to Jonathan. But this I still don't. I mean, stand, if there aren't man. rules, this what do we? No, okay. Stand. Stop quoting the Big Lebowski. <laughs> if we're not, if we're, if we're not. Beholden to the, I'm beholden what, the you, what the John. mechanics are of the podcast are, then what are we doing? I'm beholden you, John. I'm You're gonna not beholden wa- to me. You're beholden I'm, to the mechanics of the podcast. I'm beholden to it. Stop. I'm gonna watch stop. Hard to Be to God. Stop, stop, stop. You should just be happy. I'm gonna watch this movie. No, you have to watch this movie. Yeah, ha- you should be happy that I have to watch this movie. Yeah, but you sh- you have to watch it before today. And you already failed. That. Okay, I'm gonna find a time machine, go back in time. No, I know. I'm watch saying it. you've already failed, so and then we'll edit. Now this you can watch it. And that's podcast. great. But I'm saying, like, you understand what I'm saying, dude? I got three kids and a wife. I'm I, trying. I know. I'm trying. I know. I have 75 kids and a wife. Okay, you do? Yeah, I teach them all, but all day, every day. Okay? <laughs> I was about to say your Blu-ray collection is a lot bigger than I that. I find time. Okay, <laughs> you found time to watch Ghost Dog and that other I did. Coffee Cigarettes, and those movies combined are longer than Hard to Be a Guy. I made poor choices. I admit, I watched Cinema Paradiso like today. <laughs> so, I watched it yesterday, yeah. but I mean that's that's neither here nor there. You have to watch. That I need too. to prioritize. You should be. I need to treating, get, get on okay, it. Okay, hang on. You should be treating Hard to Be a God the same way you treat Cinema Paradiso. Oh my God, I've got to watch that. This before is true. Thursday. Because if I lose today, which obviously I'm not going to, but if I did, and somebody and oh. like Kevin gives me a film to watch, I mm. will have it watched by next Thursday. I appreciate that. Done. I, Done. I severely apologize. Okay. I've, I've let you all down. But I will watch that movie eventually. I appreciate that. I want point. you to still watch it. I'm not, yeah. not trying to dress you down or anything. I'm just trying to tell you how I'm feeling about it. Well, don't undress me, John. Jesus. In your mind. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> Buffalo Bill and the Indians. Oh, okay. With Paul Newman. He was, he was in it. I also want to rewatch uh, With Nail and I just because Kevin watched it and I want to prove to him that it's better than three stars. Um, and I'm going to watch Walker, which John has also loaned me. Uh, 
Alex Cox film that. But if you don't have time to watch Walker, watch Hard to Be a God. I'm going to watch Hard to Be. All right, I'll give that to you. Next thing I watch is going to be Hard to Be God. There you go. How about okay. that? All right, so let's move on to our deep dive about Cinema Paradiso. So I'll just set it up for us. Uh, 1988 Italian film won the Oscar for the best foreign film of. 1990, I believe it uh, somehow got the Oscar later on. That's weird. Uh, it's weird. Mm. Anyway, the film is about a filmmaker recalling his childhood and when he fell in love with the movies uh, at his village's theater, also called Cinema Paradiso. And no- he formed Nuovo. Nuovo. Oh no, it becomes that, right? My bad. Well, the film yeah. in original Italian was Nuovo Cinema Paradiso. But in the film, I'm saying that yeah, it becomes, the theater yeah, yeah. becomes Nuovo. Nuovo. Yeah. And uh, so he forms a deep friendship with the theater's projectionist and kind of chronicles uh, him growing up and him falling in love and being a young man and then being nostalgic for his hometown, you know, visiting uh, his hometown again to see his mother and the, attend the funeral of the dying or the dead projectionist. So, yeah, very nostalgic, melodramatic. All right, before we get into the rating of the, our reviews of the films, <laughs> we will talk about the... Uh, let me scratch all that. Before we get into our deep dive review, we're going to do something called the star rating battle, where we're going to try and guess each other's star ratings. And so this is my pick, so I don't actually get to battle you guys, but no, you I do don't. get to guess. So I'm going to break out my guesses here. And, I, and I've got some quotes as oh. well. As, I love uh, that everybody's copying me now. Hey, <laughs> hey, it was a Again, good shtick. Force of personality. Uh, it was a good shtick. I know. I th- you you established a, a, a concept <laughs> of the of the segment. I think we should continue. So for John's star rating, I'm gonna guess two stars. Mm. His quote's gonna be too long. <laughs> the music was rough. Had some cool shots. It was over the top and melodramatic. Not really my kind of thing. And last quote: "Not apocalypse now, but better than Citizen Kane." <laughs> I don't think you'll actually say that, but I just mean, I just be poking, poking fun at you. I think you probably might actually think that though. All right, for Kevin's star rating, I'm going to also guess two stars because he's two star Ted. That's right. Um, and I don't think he liked the movie very much. I think he's going to say, it dragged, quote, quote, it was okay, quote. It was okay? It was okay. That's, that's, that's by Kevin. <laughs> cheesy. And so much what, cheese. And his last quote, what about the girl, Elena, or whatever her name was? No, that's good. That's good. So, um, yeah. So let's get into it, guys. This battle's between you. So, John, what is your star rating guess for Kevin? Well, no, I, don't, I want to guess for you first. All right, guess for me. Yeah, because I haven't. For uh, guess for you. This is actually the first time I've seen it and haven't posted anything yeah. about how I feel about this film. So, yeah, I'd like so to hear what I, you have to think. I, I said that Jordan would give it four stars. All right. And his quote would be, I love Disney movies. With an exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> Was this a Disney movie for you? <laughs> Kevin, what did you think Jordan would give it? I figured that Jordan would give it a three and a half. Mm. All right. No quote? No quote? Nah. Lazy got, piece got nothing. Of shit. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So, uh, our battle now, right? Yeah. Okay. Right. You, okay. So, John. Uh, two star Ted, uh, three stars. 
All right. And his quotes are just a little bit better than Michael Mann's Thief. <laughs> which he gave two and a half earlier today. So which is a travesty. You said three yeah. for him? Three for him. Okay. All right. Kev, what are you guessing for John? For John, I figured 2.75. Mm. Okay. Very specific. So, yes. So both. Because I've seen you like. I do point. Yeah, because like when I see your letterbox yeah. stuff, like when I see it on Facebook and I see that it's actually a review, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the review, and then it's like two point seven five. That's like his whole review. Seven five, and that's the review. Yeah, so, they, don't so let both, me, they don't let me do quarter stars on the uh, things. So. That would be nice. Actually. So both around the three star mark, kind of low low ball in it. Uh, at least that's low for me. That's kind of high for two star Ted over here. But um, yeah, I'll be interested about us revealing it. At the end, your your true intentions. So, Indeed. <clears throat> all right. So, um, let me just do my quick review of it, and then I'll open it up for you guys to discuss some more. So, Cinema Paradiso. I thought. I don't know. It's just my just my taste. It was a little too melodramatic for me. A little sentimental. Like, it's. It's commenting on like you know the nostalgia of movies or like the magic of movies and everything. Which yeah, I'm a big movie fan. Um, the cinema is yeah, kind yeah. of like a, a sanctuary in a way. But and I like the the kind of commentary it has on that. But the presentation of it for me was just a little too sappy, too sugary. I don't know. Mm. And it, I think it's obviously like just unashamedly being overly sentimental about movies but i don't know just my taste it, it just was a little too much of that um wasn't good enough for you wasn't good enough no it's just too melodramatic like it had those like i would have i've would been interested to see like i don't know it's italian so maybe i'm just used to more like recently watching like the more realistic like neorealism and stuff like that of course this is from the 80s and you're kind of getting more into like Hollywood Italian cinema and everything but there was parts where I felt like if this was done like in a very like matter of fact realistic like gritty realistic way like I'd be more into this but it's felt like kind of like Spielberg in Italy. It did. It did feel like Spielberg in Italy. I think that's very well said. Better than Hollywood in Italy or whatever the hell you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, well, yeah. uh, well, like Italian Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, like Spielberg. Like Spielberg. Well, I mean, well, I, like like always Spielberg. Or like, yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. One of his more uh, yeah, because I think it you know, probably came movies. out around the same time as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, My like, mama, we're too cute to die. I like the I like the cinematography. I thought you know it had like some gorgeous shots of like the Italian cities, like and captured the historical time period. What I really appreciated, like right from the beginning, knowing this was a movie about movies, was the frames within a frame. I don't know if y'all saw this, uh, but like there was throughout the whole film, there were shots where. He's the cinematographer is using like buildings to frame characters or windows to frame characters. Like the first shot, you know, pulls back and then you have like the sides of a, a room kind of framing 
the view and onto like the ocean um shots of like at the end where like with the funeral like the camera's inside the car peering through the the window of the car framing all the people like inside the the little box of the window so i thought that was like an interesting play with like the theme of you know movie about movies and kind of like showing you know real life as like a cinematic moment or something I don't know. I thought that was a cool way to present the theme. But yeah, overall, I thought like some of the acting was just kind of sappy. Some of the writing was kind of sappy. Um, I thought the little kid Toto was was fun. Like in the beginning, like I think the the first half of the film is probably more engaging than than the latter half. But I, th- I think uh, I'd agree. Like, yeah, I think like one of the things that I was like kind of confused by was I thought that the movie was taking place before World War II. So I was expecting at some point... Um, the fascists to come in? Yeah, the fascists to come in. Because, like, you know, there's a point in where they're talking like, yeah, you go off with your Stalin and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But they're like, turns out it's actually after the war? So then, Stalin lived through the war, Kevin. It's after the war, so like, what are so like? I'm expecting like a bigger conflict to come through, and like, and Stalin was hung after the war, so you know, um, he was alive in the fifties. Was he not? Am I wrong about that? No, you're wrong. He was hanged. Let's just look it up because we got to get the historical accuracy of this film here. So when you, when was it set? It's like in the f- late forties. It doesn't 40s, say when it really set. Say. So no, it, it it doesn't say. It could and be like, nineteen forty six, right? That's what I'm gonna guess. Or, I guess. I guess. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of with you I'm there. Like, it could be if it's after the war. It could be any time after the war. Is what I'm saying. It didn't really confuse me, but I he did died think... in nineteen fifty three. Thank you. I'm right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what <I> say, <laughs> this, this, this guy's a history major over here. <laughs> Whatever. The point is, okay. Well, that's the, point. the war was over. Yes. Yeah. And okay, like you know, like, and I didn't think they did a good enough job of establishing that, like, the dad was definitely dead. I mean, yeah, like you see, a, you see a little bit of like uh, Toto. You know, accusing his mom of lying, and then she kind of like breaks down a little bit. But like, you know, well, I felt like there should there like at some point like he should have like like in uh, there was though like in the what there was an establishment that he was dead. Like he like in the beginning, there's kind of the question like his mom is like, oh, he's still alive. He'll come back. You'll see. Yeah. And then he's at the movie theater, and they showed the newsreel of the you know South. Italian soldiers that they've discovered dead uh-huh. and then like the next scene is them like walking back from the military office or something it's only oh. it's only said in voiceover and it was like we something somebody on voiceover like it says like oh we uh we still need further evidence to to um prove that it's his body or something like that and okay. she's crying and they're like walking through the rubble of the street and she's like crying. You remember that I scene? Saw a different Did you watch this it. movie or I just kidding. <laughs> you you know what I'm talking about, right? No. I okay. I, I, I honestly You didn't like, actually watch it. No, okay, I, so, I okay, here's the thing. I watched it. Like everything that Kevin has a problem with right now, I could give a shit about. I don't even remember like the I remember like thinking about his father, but I was like 
Who cares? Go back to the theater. Like, <laughs> I don't care about the mother or, like, the anytime he's outside of the theater, I found it incredibly difficult to engage with. I can, I can, I can see that. And then, like, when, you know, like, like, his mother just, like, you know, like, beating the living tar out of that kid. That's how it well, was he back did in almost day. burn down their apartment. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like when when he, well, yeah, when he burns when he burns his sister, like I can see it then. But like yeah. even before that, she He's, was just he goes, wailing on him. He goes to the movies and like stays out all night and spends all their money. Well, she is, a, and, like, yeah, and she is a widower, so like yeah, she's all yeah, stressed a widow, out. Rather, so she's you know like yeah, she's, uh, I, feel, I feel like she's that, got every right to be. Irrational she's frazzled. Mad, yeah, know? yeah. I feel like that's that's where the melodrama. Comes I mean, from. obviously For though, me. Kevin's right. Like they're trying to paint that as like she's insane and like over overbearing and everything. Like, and that's why he he needs an escape, so he goes to the theater. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like that was heavy handed. I, I, there wasn't a whole lot of that for me to like really have a problem with you say anytime they left the theater but like i was kind of waiting at parts for them to leave the theater i'm like is this whole movie just going to be about them watching movies in the theater you know like i was getting kind of bored with some of that i'm like okay Me too. like what's some of the, what's yeah. the conflict like what's the point of the I film got bored you know with that too but i mean i don't know i just like anytime he was like outside like running around and like doing anything i don't know it's just like i was just like what what is this kid doing who cares like just go back to like the whole point is that the movie's called cinema parody so yeah go back to the theater learn how to be a projectionist like what are yeah. you doing like why, why are you out running around just like go go back to the theater you know it's where you want to be you know you love uh alfredo or whatever alfredo yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> chicken alfredo, alfredo. Go, back and have, uh, go have some chicken alfredo <laughs> I, I'll tell you the part. I, one part. I, one part I did like, although I wish they would have gone more in depth with it, is when he took his food and he put it inside the projector to heat it up. Yeah, that, that was ruled. cool. But I wish he would have taken it back out and eaten it. I was like, I want to see how long it takes to heat up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want a more like procedural. You know, like, yeah. Uh, how do you cook food in a projector? You know. Yeah, yeah. Like what else are you gonna do? Because you yeah, can't leave the projector like, yeah, alone. Interesting anecdotal kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool moment. I felt like the melodrama came in when they're in the theater. Like parts of it, I thought were interesting, like showing like like how the Italian cinemas were back in the day, where like everybody stomping and jumping and clapping, yeah, and like you thought that was a nightmare. Yeah, I'm sure, John. Brutal. But like part of me almost admires that. Like not that I actually want to see a film like that nowadays, but it's interesting to see like the cultural difference. Where like back back then and in that country, like. There wasn't really like this high regard of cinema's art or anything. They're just there for entertainment, well, you know. Well, there's like, nothing else. There's nothing else to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when the theater gets shut down, they literally say, "There goes our entertainment." Like we have nothing else. Yeah, like, but when they, they literally when say about that. To destroy at the end, they say that everybody watches TV now and watches yeah. to the radio or whatever, so they don't need. The, the... Yeah, and yeah, that's part of the film's point, I guess. The director, yeah. like. Of doing like an obituary of movie theaters is what I read on IMDb trivia, and so I could see that being like chronicling the death of the movie theater, like through this guy's experience and everything. Because the movie, because there are no more. There movie are no theaters. movie theaters Obviously, since now. 1988. They all shut down. Yeah. So maybe it's a part that makes total sense. Maybe it's a part of the time period in the 80s where like. Oh, like the video, like the <laughs> like video, like we're all, all the movie directors and theaters the are scared of like people, TV and people who genuinely video. thought that are retarded because like <laughs> if you have you seen a video on VHS, like to think that that would like somehow replace the theater going experience is yeah, yeah, moronic, and the fact that we have Blu-ray now, which is every bit as crisp, 1080. 
You know, we have 4K Blu-rays, which are like in 4K, which is just, I mean, you know, I mean, practically like... But we still have theaters. Exactly, but we still have theaters. So it's like the idea that theaters are going away, like, get bent, man. Yeah, I think (laughs) that's... It's it's like with anything, like, you know, like when e-books came around, like, oh, they're going to replace Yeah, we're going to get rid of books. Give me a break, man, you know? Yeah, it's like... It's kind of a hollow conceit. I mean, I guess, yeah, even then for the 80s, it's kind of like, okay... It's just way too early for that. I mean, yeah. that's his message. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if you want to see a good movie about like the dangers of like VHS or you know videotapes <laughs> or stuff, like watch Videodrome. It's a lot of danger in Videodrome. Yeah. A lot of danger. Those are all Betamax, though. I think. Right. Yeah. No. Because because <laughs> that was the that was what would fit yeah, onto exactly. James Woods' Ex- stomach. Well, apparent, apparently, when this movie became successful, like he forgot all about that uh, that conceit of. You know the movie theater dying. It's like obviously was, movie theaters aren't going away. That was another thing that I was kind of like. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the same thing, but like before the movie, it like lists all the uh, all the awards yeah. and acclaim yeah. that the movie got. And I'm thinking, I fast forwarded through that. Yeah, I'm thinking, <laughs> literally, like, okay, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> I'm watching that crap. I don't care about. That. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think it's weird for like that is a little weird. Yeah, for them to like tell you like, hey, look how great this movie did. Well. I before, thought. Before how long, how long it. was the movie you watch? Mine. It was the uh, US how theatrical. How long was it? Like two hours and thirty-five minutes. I think. Are you serious? How long was yours? Two hours. I Mine was like two hours and four minutes. Yeah, like. Uh, and I read early, last, I read after I watched it that it was two thirty-five, and I was like, "Where's this two thirty-five cut at? Because it's not on iTunes." I was. I watched two hours and four minutes on iTunes. I read that it's two thirty-five. And you said that the. You were like, the don't watch the director's cut because it's an hour longer. But I read the director's cut is like four and a half hours long. It's like three. It's like one fifty-five, and the the interna- the international is like only about two hours, and then the U.S. is about like in two you hours and a half. The, Wait, I thought uh, the international cut then, which I'm fine with. Cause I, I thought the international one was supposed to be the shorter one. Yeah, it's the shorter one. Right, right. It's two hours. Yeah, because like they showed it in Italy and like it wasn't making any money, so they cut it down by however much. Good for them. Whatever version I watched, yeah. it was too long. It felt too long. I was like, "There's yeah. a director's cut version of this movie. I don't want to see yeah. because this is already like wearing out its welcome." Um, I feel like yeah. this this movie like really like felt to me like a movie that. You know, like, and John might might be able to back me up on this. I might, um, maybe. Just a a movie that's like long and like fairly middle of the road that you would put on when you know school is winding down and there's nothing else going on, and you know it kind of has a positive <laughs> no, message it's an about growing up and would stuff. Would never put this on. For well, you kids. wouldn't, but no. I I feel like it, it in Italy, maybe. It may, it, I feel like you get fired putting this movie on in front of kids. Really. I mean, there's like sex in it and like kids jerking off in a theater. Like that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. You know, <laughs> that that was one scene where it's like I thought it was. Interesting. I loved the scene with the kids jerking off. Don't get me. I thought it was great. I really did. I was like, this is now we're now we're getting now we're talking. These kids got are like looking at this beautiful her. ass on the screen. And they're just they're just beating it, man. It's, that was great. I loved it. But, I did. I did think that was it was interesting where they showed at the beginning they showed the priest like cutting out all the kissing scenes, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, and he's yeah. like ringing the bell, no, no, and then uh, <laughs> and then finally when you do like the new theater gets established and Young Toto takes over and it's like the first film he's projecting is the 
they show a kissing scene and everyone's just like, oh, like everyone's freaking out about it. I was like, yeah, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah. You know, like there's at least like some progression there and showing how the times are changing. Yeah. And like later as the, uh, you know, as the kids grow up and he grows up and everything, they show that jerk off scene and the yeah. priest is like, I'm not watching pornography. Um, the priest says that one. Well, he says kissing that with the kissing. Yeah. But then, so you yeah. get even, he then you get the, the kids, then you get like the nudity and then yeah, you, yeah. they show the, the scene of like the drive by gangster yeah. film where they're, yeah. they're shooting people and stuff. So it was like, that, that that's an interesting been, like uh, progression at least to like showing how the times have changed. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again, but that might've been the, uh, one of the first scenes in uh, some like it hot. Okay, because uh, I because re- I remember like when the first time I saw some like it hot, I was like, this looks really familiar. And then I was like, oh, like that's what Corey Feldman's watching in the Goonies. Uh, like what you you're talking about the gangster movie, but it's actually some like it hot. Oh, okay. Have, have you guys seen? Uh, speaking of the priest at the beginning, have you guys seen Clean Flicks, the documentary Clean Flicks? No, I haven't. Okay, well don't. Well, I might. I don't might, see. I it? might suggest it later okay. for us to watch because I think it'd be. Uh, it reminds me of Clean Flicks because uh, in Clean, like he edits out the bad stuff, and in Clean Flicks is a documentary about a. It's like a movie company that edits out the bad stuff. Yeah, it's a Mormon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Salt oh, Lake okay. City, who used to edit movies and then reburn them to DVDs without any of the violence or like sexual. stuff. But they didn't have any license to do that or yeah, something, they got sued, so they got like, sued. Hardcore. They had to stop. But I mean, yeah. but the movie's really interesting. Anyways, okay. um, uh, yeah, I've, I I wanted to talk about the uh, the kid in the movie. Uh, how is this kid able to drag out this two hundred and fifty pound? That, that is a big cinema? question I have yeah. too. Like this is the ridiculous part of the movie. I, when it happened, I was like, "This guy's gonna get burned up," and it's it's only you know forty five minutes into the movie. But yeah. then the kid rescues him, and the kid's like six or whatever. I was like, "This," and he's is the scrawniest ridiculous. little kid ever. He's too. like yeah. small for his age. Yeah, and it's like they could have just waited like just rewrite it to where like do the time jump and then have the place burn. Then it's like it makes more sense if he's you know nineteen or whatever he can get the guy out. But it's like it's just mental. Like this yeah. little kid is not going to drag this huge guy. Like yeah. Alfredo's not a small man. No, Ooh, he's a big man. Yeah, it's means. like. And it would have made more sense to have him like take over as a projectionist when he's like a teenager anyway. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's pretty absurd. I did like the fact that like he's showing you know that's the scene where he. Like the theaters close and they project the the film outside onto the wall and everybody's watching and everything, no, and then the film and then like <laughs> yeah. the film catches fire like when uh they're showing I think it's Babes in Toyland with is that Buster Keaton um and he's got like the gun to his head and then the film just like burns up you see it like uh in the projection the film just like melts and then it cuts to the theater on fire and everything was- I thought that was interesting. Babes in Toyland? I thought it was, like, the fireman. Oh, the fire... Yeah, that was, yeah, you're right. It was the fireman something. Okay. And that was, you know, fireman, and there's a fire in the yeah, theater. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It wasn't Babes in Toyland. All of the women in the movie look like men, in my you, opinion. You had a problem with that? <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I mean, they just didn't look very attractive. It was kind of weird. I was like, because, like, it's coming weird. off eight and a half... Where yeah, all the yeah. women are gorgeous. Well, also like uh, this Dolce movie. Vita too. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Blonde who's on the cover. What about his Man. his mom? Didn't look his mom male-ish. looked all right yeah. when she was young, but like yeah. even she had kind of a weird nose. I don't know. Um, She's Italian. I like the aloe the aloe leaf bowls. <laughs> Sorry, when they cut the aloe leaves. Oh yeah, and that they was. Ate salad out of them yeah that was that was kind of fun well the girl you didn't mm. think the girl looked no she uh, looked like a man uh <laughs> she looks european like obviously she uh 
the blue eyes, she's light skin. Oh, I, I, uh, I, uh, what irony, huh? With he, he loses his vision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. just kill the guy. Of course, then we wouldn't have a movie because he's got to remember him after he dies, right? But whatever. Uh, let's see. Oh, they're terrible at kissing. The kid and the girl, they're awful. Like, do you watch them kissing? They're it trying so hard awkward. not to use tongue. They're like, open mouth. They're like... <laughs> like there's no tongue like their lips are just like hitting each other it's, it's, I thought it looked less brutal. fake than like some of the movies they were watching where you know they're showing the kind of schmaltzy old black and white films where they just kind of rub into each other like they kind of yeah. hug and yeah. turn their heads into each other at least you don't see it there and then right? they move the, you can tell they're just like moving their heads around I found it brutally unfunny like it was trying to be pretty funny at points and it's just uh, not funny at all yeah. it, was, it was like trying to be funny in that D2 Mighty Ducks kind of way where it was like you know, kid, like kid jokes, kind of like, like campy, uh, just like cheesy, like cheesy, uh, cheesy is a better word. You know, like the whole thing where he uh, asks the kid to cheat for him in the test. Yeah, and it's oh, like yeah. Tr- it's so cutesy. It just makes me want to. Pee. There is a lot of cutesy stuff. I was like, I was watching this, thinking these guys are gonna. Hate I thought this. you would. I thought you'd be into it. Actually, that cutesy kind of crap. Uh, because, you know, you're such a you're a family. I'm man, so you know? cutesy. It's, it's, yeah. the, it's the Disney. Um, it's the Disney films. Yeah. Brutal collage job on the photo. Did you guys notice this? On the photo? There's a photo at the end whenever he, the old gray-haired director comes back and he's like seeing uh-huh. the picture of him and Alfredo from when he was a kid. And it's oh, like and it does like a close yeah. up and it's like obviously like a picture of the of Alfredo like razored out of another photo and then pasted I did onto the background. That. Yeah. Of this oh, photo. I didn't it's notice that. Awful look. You can see the edges. Like it's brutal. Along the same lines was when he comes back and he's like noticing all the characters from his youth and they're all old now, but they have like really bad makeup on to yeah. make them look oh, yeah, old. Like, yeah. yeah. The yeah. makeup was kind of rough. Terrible. Like they do that thing where like they put it looks like they put like Elmer's glue on their face and it all just like it's a like wrinkly. Yeah. It's it's terrible. They all look greasy and oh, they man. have like gray in their eyebrows. <laughs> I I really hated how it uh like drags so much at the end. Like every like when he got back, when he comes back and it's just like him now when we're in the present day, I was just like put a bullet in my head. Yeah. Like just end yeah. the movie already. I felt the same way. And the honestly. fact that that could have gone on much longer because uh, no. uh, that's that's the part that they cut out. Like I think it was like uh, half like hour an hour. No, it was like an hour. An hour. How I don't like like he like he somehow reconnects with Elena. Like like he sees a girl who looks like Elena when she, when she was younger. Follows, follows her, her which sounds her, creepy which sounds creepy that happens in this film yeah yes. in the director's cut yeah. no in the director's <laughs> cut oh in the director's this cut. is what yeah, they so cut he, out he follow he follows her finds out that elena is her mother and they have sex in in a car in a car and and he's like you know i i guess he's like come back with me like you know i i still love you etc cetera, etc cetera. and she was like no i have a husband and a family now so you can just Go. Just the one bang was enough for yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, why, yeah, why? Yeah, why? That's how, weird. How, yeah. How in you, the world do you stretch that out to an hour? Well, then they also go into how you know in the movie she kind of disappears and he's lost oh, yeah. his true love and stuff. Yeah, and like then she, she goes like into she the gave fact that Fredo a note, but he was like, "No, I'm not giving this to him. He's got to be. He's got to go out and be the next Fellini." That's rough. That. 
No, it's oh it's, no, it's that's in, his sentiment. Though, that's like, what she tells him is like Alfredo forbid me to, or he encouraged me not to continue a relationship with you yeah, because yeah, yeah. if I really loved you, I would let you go so you could go and be a great filmmaker or whatever. I'm like that. I mean, I kind of don't want to see any of that. Like it's already long enough, but I'm like that kind of changes the whole film cutting that out because like that yeah. makes it a little more dark. Where it's like Alfredo just screwed your life up, dude. He'd stole your true love, you well, know. He made and his life great because now he's going to be a great director who's remembered forever. Yeah, but now he goes. Yeah, ba- but in the now. end, he goes back and he's like obviously pining still for this this woman and um, romance he's comes miss- and goes, man. He misses the, his the immortal, his hometown the of celluloid. That's right. How do you guys feel about the uh, the ending of with the the cut together? Uh, collage movie that oh, I thought made him again like I said the Whatever. whole film is pretty melodramatic sentimental and it's like that scene started to get to me and I was like oh that's that's you know you started to tear up a little bit I don't want to no, I'm not tearing up but it was one I can see how I was like oh it's trying to be like that tearjerker moment and he's like yeah he's having an emotional reaction easily, to it yeah it could have easily got tears from me had they shot it correctly what like do you mean? they like okay they just opinion, cut to the actual film stock or whatever yeah like why do they keep cutting back to his face and he's like every time they cut back to him he, it's like he has a reaction like he's just seeing it for the first time mm. like what are you doing it's just like it was this brutal and i was like and it lasts like it's long. seven minutes yeah I'm like i don't need this much of this just, yeah it should have cut to the film doing that and then like credit should have started rolling over that film uh, you know what I yeah, mean? like or something like that. Like, I like how it ended yeah, on yeah, Finney, yeah. and yeah. then like the credits came up. That's, like, I mean, that's interesting. again a little yeah, play yeah, with yeah, like yeah. movie yeah. within a movie kind of thing. Yeah, um, uh, I, I like that last scene. I like that he, you know, like he brings back all the kissing scenes as like a reference to his youth no, and makes, everything. It, I, it makes probably, sense. It's probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, it makes sense. Honest. I like I like that it wraps up like that. Yeah, yeah. but um, uh, have you guys seen any more uh, Tornatore's movies? I have not. Legend of 1900? No. No? I haven't seen it. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's got Tim Roth as a, uh, a piano prodigy oh, who lives okay. on a boat. All right. He plays the piano so fast that he can light a cigarette off of the strings. That's kind of cool. Wow. It was pretty neato. Like, I thought this film had little little cool details, but overall it was just like yeah, I found that- trying to be way too... like. I like the the idea. Like they go into when they um, when they go into the theater when it's rebuilt after the fire. He's like the priest is sprinkling the holy water on it and stuff, and they're yeah. like crossing themselves in it. And he's kind <laughs> of like making this comment about like in that society and you know especially like the magic of movies. He's almost comparing it to like going to church, you know, or like the holiness of cinema, like you know, ele- cinema elevated to like you know this high art or whatever. I kind of like that that commentary or that aspect of like how powerful a movie can be, but it was just like he went over the top with that idea and just the melodrama of not only the melodrama of like the movies itself, but then like the when we get into like the real life of Salvatore or Toto and like the melodrama there is like hardcore between him and Alfredo, like their friendship. It's just very sugary, sappy, sweet. Um, and that's pretty much what the movie is about. It's just about their friendship and then like mm-hmm. him growing up and coming back and everything. It's like it's hitting hard on the nostalgia, but just a little too much. 
Can really you answer this you for me? Like, the cinema and the church were they the same building? No, because I because rem- I thought I remember it did um, kind of like, almost like, like after the service is over. Yeah, and, it know, cuts like, like the right the to it. Just like kick Toto out. You know, he's like, okay, you can start now. Like. No, it like, it does yeah. cut like directly from the church in the beginning to the cinema, so it gives okay, you that okay. idea. But I think okay. it's established pretty clearly throughout the film that it's like a different building. Okay, okay. But yeah, I, I wondered if he almost did that in a way to compare the two. Yeah, which I, I thought I, was interesting. I, I feel like that's that's probably right on the money. Yeah, and it reminded me of um, we had a film discussion a while back with uh, Josh Overbay, who's a director and was a teacher at. LSU and he kind of gave his story about like growing up in the church and falling away and then like finding solace in films like speaking to him as almost like sermons and seeing like the parallels between like when you go to church there's like a everyone's there as a community focused on one thing focused like on a on a the crafting of like a message or a presentation and he compared that to like going to the cinema which I thought was interesting mm. and uh, there's also a, a book uh, John, you turned me on to the Film Spotting podcast. So uh, Josh Larson from Film Spotting just came out with a book called uh, Movies or Prayers. Um, you know, me being a Christian and him him being a Christian, you know, filmmaker or not filmmaker, a podcaster and a critic and thinker. Um, I don't know it's just interesting. I read a little bit of it today on Amazon. He kind of makes similar points about the cinema and. Um, cinema as like expressions of inner prayers and that kind of thing so um that's kind of what i plan on reading i haven't gotten the book yet but interested well you work at the library so yeah. it shouldn't be too hard requested the purchase today there you go nice all right well let's reveal your uh your true star ratings you first all right my true star rating what did y'all guess for me four four what did you guess for me three and a half three and a half three, three. Want, 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 I said it was okay, <laughs> a bit melodramatic and sentimental for my taste. I like the cinematography, and I like some of the behind-the-scenes projection booth stuff where you get to see like all the old-school equipment. That was kind of cool. I guess. I guess. I don't remember seeing much of anything. Well, you get to see the projection <laughs> booth you and see everything. The projector. I mean, the projector, the film. Don't really talk about it a lot. And I like the. There's like all kinds of weird like. Uh, like pressure gauges and stuff on it. Like, oh, yeah, that's not what's real. that about? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of confused by that too. I like the frames within a frame uh, yeah. cinematography. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. Okay, all right. What do Love you got? It. What do you got, John? What's your? Well, I gotta do it first. All right, first. All right, Kevin. I said Somebody. Kevin oh, would give it a three. Kevin gave it a two. Ah, yeah. two star Ted. Two star the return. The return started. What did you say I would give it? 2.75? Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave it, and I, I wrote this down. Oh, you know. You don't want to lose, just, do you? It's just, <laughs> it's not, it's no apocalypse now. It's just, it's better than Citizen Kane. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a two also. Nice. Uh, okay. I, I, I guess I, both I, of y'all. I have a quote. Loved the scene with the teenagers jerking off to the girl's ass at the movies. <laughs> hey, you said that earlier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we got both of your quotes in here. Yeah, so right. I guess Kevin won that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now I have to watch some crap Kevin's going to recommend. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe I should yeah, win I mean, because I guessed exactly what y'all both you rated it. You don't get to win. It's between us, remember? I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. Respect the mechanics of the <laughs> show. Respect. I got to <laughs> respect the mechanics. 
All right, breaking so, the fourth wall, man. So, Kev, what's your uh, your assignment for John for next uh, week? Let's see. Um, oh, this this will be easy. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Oh, okay, I'll watch that. That's good. That's not hard for John though. He's gonna. He's got Bowie it in it. Hard. hard. I was gonna suggest you watch Killing Them Softly. All right. So that's not a hard film. It's an amazing film, and I was going to do him a favor by making him watch it. Do him a favor. I guess that's what it should really be about. So you're doing me a favor by making me watch Hard to Be a God? I'm forcing you to watch Hard to Be a God because I know you wouldn't watch it otherwise. And that's you, what I'm talking and about. you need to see it. That's what I'm talking about. I was never... I was, uh, Mr. L- good, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence is... is not on your not, radar? It's on my radar. It's, not, it's, like, it's so far down on the list, it would take me years to get to it. So he's doing you a favor. Yeah, he's doing me a favor. I appreciate it. All right. And I'll probably still watch uh, Killing Them Softly. I've got, you know... You should. I'm, I'm already he's maxed gotta, out on my DVD Blu-rays that I can check out, but... Yeah, you just as, click Override. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Well, i got to wait for Jordan to be on the desk. <laughs> yeah, man, no problem. Yeah. Talking about working at the public library, we can get all your Blu-rays and DVDs for free. For free. Well, up next uh, for our deep dive film review, John's pick it's going to be Jonathan Glazer's film Under the Skin from 2013, starring Scarlett Johansson. Uh, what do you want? You want to tell us anything about this, John? Before we move, yeah, on? it's a, a, movie, a great film about a mysterious young woman who seduces lonely men. In hey, the I've got that on my. <laughs> However, events lead her to begin to process a self-discovery. Those are the exact words I have on my page, man. You wrote the same synopsis I'm, I, I did. I, I, uh, IMDb. Great, great minds think yeah. alike. Uh, no, it's it's really good. It's um. I'm really uh, happy that we're going to be watching it. Have you, you haven't seen this, right? No. Okay, good. I'm really glad. Uh, I'm really excited to rewatch it. Uh, Jonathan Glazer is like, you know, he's just the greatest. He's such an underrated director, one of the greatest directors alive uh, today and working. And it's just a shame that he can't get more stuff made, man. Because this film is just really good and birth is like one of my favorite films of all time sexy beast sexy beast is also mm. extremely good a little bit i love sexy beast and we'll talk more about it because i'll probably rewatch both of those two but like sexy beast is a tiny bit you can see its influences you can't see yeah. influences on under the skin at all yeah you can't see it it's original okay it's just like He's come into his own with Under the Skin. With Birth, it's like Kubrick. Yeah, with he's compared a lot to Kubrick. With Birth, it's 100% Kubrick. With uh, 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 Sexy Beast, it's like Scorsese, 100%. And yeah. with this, it's just it's Glazer. He's Glazer now. It's, he's Glazer. There's nobody else. So. All right. Well, we'll be excited to get into that. Sounds good. It's available on iTunes, YouTube, Amazon Video, and through the public library. <laughs> right on my page, too. All right. So that's our show for today. So uh, make sure you guys out there, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can visit our website, filmiacpodcast.com. And if you want to email us, uh, shoot us an email at feedback at filmiacpodcast.com. And we'll see you next week for more Film Yak. Why must I be a teenager in love? I feel so happy The next day I feel so sad I guess I'll learn to take The good with the bad Cause each night I ask The stars up above Why must I be a teenager in love?
Dun, 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 dun. 